you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fearless Business Podcast. Uh, I have not got one, but I have got two amazing entrepreneurs today, um, best-selling authors uh, in the room. So my first guest is Ash Ali, an award-winning serial tech entrepreneur and angel investor. Ash sold his first internet business at the age of just 19 um, and uh, you've been you've been the marketing director of Just Eat. We're, I mean, we're in we're going to be in like we're going to learn some stuff today. I can tell that already. And also, we've got Hassan Kaba, um, who is an entre- entrepreneur, startup strategist, and specialist in technology startups, marketing, and fundraising. So, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. So I'm I'm gonna I never do the so tell us about yourself because it's just a rubbish way to start a podcast in my opinion. I yes. am really interested to know more about what the unfair advantage is. So an unfair advantage is um, basically a competitive upper hand. So if you think of life as a race, we don't all start at the same starting point. Some people have head starts in the race. Um, another way you can think about it is like tailwinds and headwinds. If you're cycling on a very windy day, if you've got a wind coming straight towards you, it's a disadvantage. And if you've got it coming from behind you, pushing you forward, it's an advantage. What we say is focus on your strengths and double down on those. Those are your unfair advantages. But here's where we put a twist on it as well. It's not just your strengths. It's also your circumstances. Everybody has a unique set of strengths and circumstances. And you have to identify what yours are. So you have to find your own unfair advantages. And then that should be the strategy you take your business down when you're starting a business, growing a business, et cetera. See, I, I, have, I have a theory on this because uh, I totally agree with you. And I think that um, modern day marketing and social media and things like that have massively influenced the way that people behave in so much they're trying so hard to copy what everybody else is doing that they lose sight of those strengths, exactly those um, uh, things that you've just kind of talked about there. And uh, I I guess one of the first things I'm most interested to find out more about, and this you go into a lot of detail in the book, which is also called The Unfair Advantage. We'll talk about that in in a bit as well. But what is the, there you go, it's there. What is the, um, what would you say is kind of like, if you were to give somebody one, one tip, one place to start, one thing that you could do in order to start to um, understand exactly who you are and how you want to show up in the world and how you spot, um, you know, th- those uh, traits in yourself rather than looking at other people, what would you say that first step would be? Well, uh- Go ahead, Ash. Yeah, sorry. I think the first thing to do is to understand uh, we've all been through a journey in life and we've all been through a unique journey in life and that we've always, always also had hardbacks and adversaries and all sorts of issues in our life and challenges that we've overcome. And, not everyone, and everybody's going on the same journey and everyone needs to be kind to each other. And the big, I think that the key thing is to understand that your journey in life has been very unique. The clients you've worked with, the people, the challenges you have to overcome. And so encompassing all of that, I think the key thing is to become authentic and to know who you are. Because knowing who you are gives you the ability to feel less like an imposter when you're doing anything. 
and more authentic to your heart so you feel passionate about what you're doing and also it comes across when you're talking to clients why ash why do people have to like why do they work so hard though to like toe the party line and fit in why why can't why do so few people find it easy just to kind of stand out and be be who they are you see i think that there's a big uh issue in the world of self-help and the way things are being sold that there's a blueprint to success and there's no such thing as a blueprint to, blueprint to success everyone's blueprint is unique to themselves and it doesn't take into account circumstances and situations and so i think once you get to understand what you've been through life you need to understand that a disadvantage can also be an advantage uh, for an example for that is that i was born and uh, raised in the inner city of birmingham and i came from a very poor background but now I can see why that poor background has given me more grit and perseverance and made me who I am now. So I'm not shy of talking about that, but I'm also aware of that and understanding that rather than trying to hide that underneath. So I'm not no longer saying, hey, look, I'm just a genius entrepreneur and I want to follow other genius entrepreneurs. You see, a lot of people on social media are only showing the highlights of their life, but they don't show the real raw workings behind it. And so when you're following somebody and you're looking at somebody, you're only looking at their highlights. You're not looking at behind the scenes when I'm crying on Hassan's shoulder going, oh my God, the book's been delayed. What are we going to do? And then Hassan's like, oh my God. And then, so we're helping each other out and doing stuff, right? So there's a lot of behind the scenes, the emotional side of it that's really challenging to do. So the emotion side of it is very important. And then the, what we call the inner status. We talk about in the book, the status. So your inner status, the way you feel from inside, the stories you tell yourself, that kind of projects outwards. That creates confidence, courage, and it gives you the feeling of authenticity, which people can now smell and see straight away when you're doing it in the world of business. Hassan, have you had a, did you have a similar sort of experience kind of growing up and uh, as Ash in terms of like, you know, because obviously you both partnered up to write the book and you partner up on a number of different sort of projects, but did you find that it was a bit of a struggle? Is that kind of what led you to kind of wanting to spread, spread the word and get people to stand out? Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I was actually born in Baghdad. I came to London when I was three years old um, and grew up kind of modest background, was on free school meals and everything. And it was the typical path that you kind of immigrant backgrounds kind of have, which is to go for the safer option. You know, they've gone through enough risk. They want you to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, etc. So um, it was that kind of blueprint and not knowing what's possible outside of that and not being aware of it. So I kind of dropped out of the path to becoming a doctor early on. And um, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, Robin. That was one of the things that I think isn't a problem that's unique to me or unique to even immigrants. It's just, it's very, you're very clueless when you're that age. And I really feel like schools and universities do a terrible job of careers advice. They're not up to date on the different trends that are happening and the different areas of opportunity that are opening up because of these technology trends. Um, so I think, yeah, I did struggle and I didn't know, I never thought I'd wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I wanted to kind of go down this path. It's, it's really interesting because there's, there's something which um, resonates there in terms of like, obviously we, most people listening to this are going to know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. And he's obviously from an immigrant background. Uh, is he first, first generation, I think, because his, his dad moved over, his, his parents moved over to America. And there's always a lot of stuff which he talks about kind of the, not necessarily the hustle and the grind, but it, the, the, in terms of like his upbringing and working in um, his dad's sort of um, liquor store, stacking the shelves there was never really any money in it for him but it, his dad was always teaching him about, about sort of what hard work really means and i i just wonder whether you know you get you get these golden children who kind of seemingly have everything dropped dropped on them and they have the success i mean like 
I hate saying his name makes me sick, but Donald Trump is a prime example of that, yeah. right? Here's $6 million. Now all of a sudden you're a successful investor, right? And that to my mind is, is bullshit. I actually think you learn a lot more when you do come from a disadvantaged background, when you do have to fight and struggle. And I think, I think, you know, um, uh, it, it teaches you to problem solve creatively rather than just pay for stuff. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about Ash, when you're talking about that social media highlight reel, a lot of the people you see a lot of, they've just had stuff dropped on their laps, mm-hmm. like right time, right place, everything, you know, um, a lot of the kind of internet gurus are all 48. And the reason for that is they turned 18 at the same time the internet was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Founding fathers of internet marketing. And, and so they were able to sweep up all of the leads for like one cent an email and all this sort of stuff and buy millions of leads. Right now yeah. we've got people getting into internet marketing now who are going to be picking up the book, like unfair, the unfair advantage. I think it's going to be a shock to them. Wouldn't you agree, Ash, when, when it says, Oh, actually, no, you've got to work hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a reality shock to the world now because, the, I mean, don't forget the internet is not that, that new still right now, right? So, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where it's maturing in a lot of areas. And, you know, we work with startups all day long. And one of the biggest challenges that we have as angel investors and investing in startups is that how are they going to attract new leads and how are they going to get new customers? And the, usually the common answer is Facebook or Google. And basically, it's the wrong answer because you need to find something else that's unique. And what we say in the book is that when you're starting a company, when you're starting any project, you have to find um, the, the key is to understand that it's easy to build now than it was ever before, but it's hard to get traction. And there used to be a time when it was harder to build. Back in 1997, when I was building a shoe co- e commerce website, I had to code it myself with PHP and MySQL. Now you can knock up a Shopify website and start selling shoes tomorrow if you wanted to. But then the challenge comes in getting traction and getting that kind of distribution. And that's where we say the unfair advantage is one of those. It's an unfair advantage is kind of like a speed to market, it gives you that speed to get to your market. Uh, and the market will really decide if you're going to be successful or not, not just the product and how nice it looks. And I think as well, like it, it, it pays to, you can't just look at like, you know, global marketplace. It's super easy. You have to understand like to launch a business, you have to understand, um, what happened around sort of marketing tech advertising, the foundations of building a business, which have been around for decades, if not like hundreds of years. And I think a lot of people forget that you can't just launch a business and it's going to be successful. You've got to learn all of the stuff that predates this, predates today. Um, And I I think that's where kind of there's there's already a a, a kind of um, a feeling that I'm getting here about the journey which you've been on, which is about discovery and about learning and about because um, I'm in the same boat as you, Ash. I was building websites back in 2004, my first commercial website, you know, when it was unique to have a website, but, but Zuckerberg was in his pants, you know, yeah. like building the first version of Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of me which is a bit like, well, I'm, I'm kind of gutted that I didn't create and like build more apps then for myself, but equally, I didn't know that at the time. Now I know it now. If an opportunity comes up, I create it. And so as, a, as an investor, you must kind of see a lot of um, young businesses who've maybe kind of, um, who are starting to make some of those common mistakes setting out. Um, what, what sort of process do you go, with that, go through with them in order to start to kind of show them what the real world looks like? I think that the, the main thing is to uh, let them understand that entrepreneurship is really hard. It's not easy. And a lot of people want to be rock stars. 
Uh, and everyone wants to be a rock star or a pop star. And entrepreneurship is becoming like that now. I'm an entrepreneur. In fact, some people are serial entrepreneurs. We've tried a couple of things and now they've become serial entrepreneurs. So the first thing is to understand that. Are you willing to work for 18 months to three years and live like a student? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to sacrifice? Before we start on any business idea or what is it that you're going to do, are you willing to put in the grit, the perseverance to sacrifice what you already have going for you for something else? And in most cases, everyone else is going to look at you and go, hey, you know, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. So you're going against the, the norm of what everyone else is doing. And you're going to be living a different type of life. So the weekends are going to be weekends where you're going to be doing work. Unlike other people who think that, you know, you get a night, uh, you don't like your boss and therefore you want to start a company. That's the wrong reason to start something, you know, or there's a lot of money in it. And therefore I'm going to start something when if you haven't got unfair advantage and you start building a team around it. Um, I mean, Hassan, you started a uh, boutique dues agency. How did you get started with that? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that this kind of leads us on to, because there's a few things we've touched on, but one of the things we said is how it can be a double-edged sword. So what you said, Robin, is having little money can give you more creativity. And that's one of the big things that we talk about is this idea that actually we all have unfair advantages. We might not be born rich. We might not have all gone to the most posh private schools with all the connections and all of that kind of stuff. But actually you can have unique insights by coming from a different socioeconomic background. You can have unique kind of creativity or a fire in your belly to succeed by having a bit of adversity when you started out. So that's very important. Um, coming up to how I started my journey, it's funny, you're, you're, you know, it's called fearless business, but for me, it was just fear was holding me back massively, massively. Mm-hmm. Um, I took an on, so I didn't think of myself as that typical Gary V. I was selling baseball cards when I was young. Ash was selling encyclopedia CDs when he was young. Ash is quite a natural entrepreneur in that sense. I didn't have that aspect to myself. I took an online course and I learned how to be an entrepreneur from that. And it was just a lot of fear holding me back. But what I did what, what is... What fears? I'm going to push you on this one. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was a fear of... I had a perfectionism thing, which is very common. Yep. Um, I was building up my first website and I was overly perfecting the copy, too scared to launch it. Am I going to look stupid? Am I going to sound stupid? And it was just like the fear of the unknown of taking this plunge, getting clients and stuff. Um, but for me, what really helped is take, uh, getting some jobs in sales. So I got some jobs in the city doing sales and what kind of sales jobs because I knew that a business doesn't exist until you have some sales. So I did that for two months. I did a job and then another job for two, another two months is all in the city of London. And, um, from there I was like, you know what? I've had enough. I just, why am I working so hard for somebody else and not for myself? So I dropped left and there's a photo of me actually that I share with my Ted talk of the day I quit my job and I look so happy. And then I got started from there. And it was like, you need a bit of pressure. You need a bit of to wake yourself up and to kind of just go for it, you know? And I don't think there's ever a, a, a right or a wrong time. It's kind of like, um, you know, having kids and getting a dog. There's never a right or wrong time to give birth to a business. It's just like, you just got to go for it. I have these conversations like so regularly. Yeah. And so, so Ash, you, you, you were um, building, building websites or coding in PHP back in 1997. And obviously now, like fast forward to today, you obviously, um, you know, you've won awards, you're, you're investing in businesses. So to give us a little bit of an insight about what's happened over the last 23 years, what that journey looked like and, and, um, and, and, and what were some of the big sort of moments in your life that kind of started to, um, yeah. you know, get, get you to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I was 18 years old, I filed my uh, A-levels 
And um, I decided to not go to university and instead build a website. So the first thing I did was to choose myself. And at the same time, I was also scared of what other people are going to say and think. So I was more scared of what people are going to think and say about me. I went to the local grammar school, dropped out of uh, college and realized that this is academic is not for me. So I built a website when I was 19 years old, selling shoes on the internet at a time when most people were saying no one buys shoes. Nobody would buy shoes on the internet at that time. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we had was how to optimize the image so it download on the 56K modem really fast. Right, different times, different problems. So it's <laughs> Remember like those days. It's like just optimize images, optimize images, and now it's like a go-to thing to make your landing page really fast. For example, with Google. But so building this website was really intriguing. So I was, I got lucky. A friend of mine was working in the shoe industry, and his parents were in the shoe industry. I said, why don't we sell shoes online? I'll learn to code it, and we built an e-commerce website. We had orders from all over the world, and then I won an award and decided to move to London with a rucksack. And that was my next choice. The fear of moving to London with no contacts, having no family. So I'm originally from Birmingham. So having no family, no contacts, no friends in London. So I picked up a rucksack and just moved to London, didn't know how the tube worked uh, and landed in London. And then I got myself a, a great gig with an agency. And the agency were like, right, so you can start next week. And I was like, okay. I just said yes to everything at the time. <laughs> Rather than no, I said yes, yes, yes. And then I realized I had nowhere to stay when I got. And I was like, ah, so they put me up in a hotel for like three weeks. Um, a bread and breakfast just to, so I can start work. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I just wanted to get into London and start work. So I worked in the agency world. And when I was in the agency world, I realized back in 1999, a lot of people were building websites, but not many people were talking about generating traffic to websites and converting them. So this is where I really started to build up my digital skills, my uh, online marketing skills. In those days, it was SEO, it was email marketing, it was basic usability stuff and stuff, conversion rate optimization. I was very early into that. So I started to build up my skills, I then landed a job at um, uh, a corporate company um, in uh, Hammersmith. I went to see the boss there recently and was really excited to see me after 13 years. I was managing the online department, so I was the head of new media. So I was in charge of these directory websites, which were lead generation websites, and we won lots of awards, did really well. And then eventually I uh, met Jesper Book, the founder of Just Eat. And at that point, uh, I had a six-month-year-old daughter. And I've always wanted to do things. I was always doing side hustles, always doing something on the side. And I realized that, you know, like the internet and the way people are doing things online is going to change. And ordering takeaway online, at that time, there was no iPhones. So everyone was like, you go, so you're going to leave to join a takeaway website? Um, so I picked up my six-month-old daughter and I looked her in the eyes and I said to her, said to her this better IPO. No, I didn't say that. Let <laughs> 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 it better work because I'm taking a punt. I'm leaving a commercial full-time role now. and I'm going to jump ship now and do a real startup uh, on equity basis and get involved with Just Eat. At Just Eat, we did a great job. We grew the company uh, really fast, uh, raised 10.5 million pounds. 3.5 million of that was towards me as a marketing director. Uh, I did the first TV campaign at Justy um, for Justy, and it blew up. And then in 2014, it IPO'd for 1.5 billion, and I did extremely well after that. And then I managed to be able to invest in lots of different companies. At the same time, in parallel to that, I was building another company called Fair Exchange, which is an online uh, website for taxis and minicabs. And then I moved on to Dubai and launched a company in Dubai, which is a, a laundry app. Um, so an on-demand laundry app. I was sitting in a hotel with my family and I was like looking at the laundry price list. And I was like, I'm not paying that bill. So when you're an entrepreneur, you always feel lean. It doesn't matter where you come from. But because of my background and where I'm coming from, I'm always thinking about being lean and smart and uh, doing things in the way that's uh, in being resourceful. So I looked at the prices and I was like, right, I'm not going to pay those prices. So I built an on-demand laundry app out there with a partner and that worked out really well. And we sold that back last year. 
And um, I met Hassan during this time phrase and I was talking on stage about, you know, marketing and sales and so on and growth scrapping, which is a concept that we've got in our book. Uh, and then eventually we did a TED talk and TEDx talk. And then now I'm the founder of a company called New Hubs, which is uh, upskill hubs. What I learned was that most people want to learn from mentors and people who are like five to 10 years ahead of them who are experts who can teach them the wisdoms there's a lot of information out there, but not many people who are distilling wisdoms. And this is what you're doing with this podcast right now. So this platform basically gets global coaches and um, experts from around the world and lets them, uh, we live stream them into a room with 12 people and they can deliver a session in 45 minutes to an hour. It could be mindset, growth strategy, marketing. Uh, they can be anywhere in the world. And also we give these experts access to corporate clients like EY and KPMG so they can actually access these clients and speak to them through a webinar format. So that's the next business I've been doing now. So education and lifelong learning is really where I think one of my unfair advantages have always been. So I didn't go to university. I didn't feel entitled with it to any degrees. So I just learned and I was a self um, learner. So self-education has been massive for me. So now I want to give that back and democratize access to skills education. That's, that's such an amazing story. And I, I love the fact that you've kind of taken this, um, the journey which you've got and you've actually kind of wrapped it up really nicely into this project which you're working on at the moment. And what, I, one of the questions which I was going to ask, and I'm going to direct this at Hassan actually, because it strikes me that uh, it's, it's appropriate in terms of the, the kind of finding your feet as an 18-year-old starting to get out into the business world and, and making that leap, taking that leap of faith to start up your first business. I get why people start up a business because it, it strikes me and Ash, Ash, well, both of you have you like the epitome of this. Starting a business, I believe, is in your blood. Like you're an you're a natural you're an entrepreneur or you're not. And the ones who aren't natural natural entrepreneurs, it never seems to last. But how do you, Hassan? How how would somebody come up with an idea for a business in the first place? Oh, so so we haven't touched on the different types of unfair advantages, and it comes from there. So we have this framework that we discuss in the book, how to find your own unfair advantage, and we call it the MILES framework. So MILES is an acronym. Uh, M is for money. So having money is obviously an unfair advantage. It gives you some funding, some runway time where you could not have any salary coming in and be able to live. Um, intelligence and insight is, for, is I. Um, intelligence and insight. Intelligence is typical IQ, book smarts type stuff, but it's also street smarts and emotional intelligence, very important. Creative intelligence is huge there as well. And the other part of I is insight. And this is actually where ideas come from. It's having an insight into a gap in the market, into an unmet need or a need that's met very badly and you think you could do a much better job at it. Um, to finish off the miles framework, L is for location and luck, right place, right time, which you touched on. And you can tell from Ash's story. And we talk about how luck plays a role in everybody's success. Nobody's purely, no such thing as, we don't live in a pure meritocracy. It's just not how the world works. There's a lot of randomness and stuff like that in the world. Um, and then we also have uh, education expertise is E. And S is for status, which is like your personal brand, how you come across, how people perceive you. Um, and that also includes your network and who you know. So um, ideas come from having a unique insight. And unique doesn't mean it has to be the most creative or original thing in the world. It just means within that market, you can be enough. We talk about two different types of startups, the lifestyle startup and the hyper-growth startup. Um, everybody wants to do this sexy hyper-growth startups, but actually you could be very well off, have an amazing lifestyle with a lifestyle startup. Just because investors aren't interested, so what? If you don't want a boss, don't get investors because they're going to be like bosses to you, right? So um, I would say that 
especially for lifestyle businesses, it doesn't need to be something completely unique. You just need to be unique in your market or to have the extra trust or have that integrity with what you're doing. You really deliver on what you want and then be a service-based business in that way. You do really well out of that. And that's kind of the path I took. And I was able to create a passive income and automate that. And then that's how I met Ash and we were doing some angel investing together into some startups. I became his investment partner. And those are the insights that came into the book and became the unfair advantage. <laughs> I'm interested yeah. to know about this partnership because obviously, Ash, you alluded to the fact that earlier on, you're, you're clearly the one who kind of breaks down under pressure and you have to go and cry on Hassan's shoulder. I think. <laughs> That's not, not quite true. what you said, was it? But, um, I'm, no, quite I'm curious though. when it comes to business. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious though. So what, what was the point where you kind of you met and you, you started to develop, develop this idea, presumably together over this concept of the unfair advantage? Um, what did that look like? Yeah, so, I mean, as Hassan was saying, um, uh, we had a lot of startup uh, founders come and uh, pitch to us to invest in their startup. And we're trying to work out what is um, uh, the type of founder or team that we want to invest in. And we really couldn't find a label for it. So we labeled it the unfair advantage because then it comes into the framework. There's lots of different things around a founder we believe needs to have an unfair advantage with themselves or the team. So an unfair advantage is something that is usually... And the early days of a startup business, it's kind of like in the founder and the team itself because it starts there and then you build out. So another favorite one for Coca-Cola, for example, right now are not the people that work there potentially or the CEO. It's the brand itself, the name and the brand. That's an unfair advantage. And Warren Buffett calls it like a competitive moat. If you look at it as a moat around the castle, that's a moat around this kind of concept of uh, the brand itself. So how did we meet? Um, uh, and we were talking across, and I really love the way Hassan used to break down really complex ideas. You know, sometimes when you're in digital marketing, you have this thing called the curse of knowledge. So I, sit, I can sit there and I'll talk about SEO and link building and all that. I'm like, how can you not understand this? You know, whereas Hassan can really break it down and, and, and really make it uh, palatable for somebody who really wants to learn this kind of content. So when we sat down and I just discussed with Hassan the unfair advantage it was like, yeah, this is a really good concept. And we were initially thinking, we'll just self-publish a book. And we decided to self-publish a book. But then we're like, okay, so what should we do? And how should we make sure that, that what we're talking about makes sense to the audience? And I'll pass it over to Hassan now, and he can talk to you about how we actually went through that process of building this book. Yeah, the book process has been crazy. Because what we did is, Robin, we created it like a software product kind of thing. Um, so we, we created an MVP version of the book so a minimum viable product of the book we created what we called the lean version um and it was like a one hour read ten thousand words and we, we thought yeah you know what we'll sell this one first and then we'll later down the line make a full-length book um never really expecting we never thought of ourselves as authors or writers um never expecting to get a publishing deal from it but um but yeah we were approached by a literary agent on the day that we were making it live on Amazon. So we'd done all the typesetting. We'd even had author copies. So we actually still have copies of this lean version of the book. And, um, and we never published it because we got a publishing deal, quite a few offers, actually. We got um, Bloomsbury, Wiley, and Profile Books. And we eventually went with Profile Books. But it, it's been an incredible journey. We never expected it. But yeah. it's just because I think the reason we got that is because we were honing the concept for so long. We were talking about it on stage. We were checking in. We were mentoring startup founders, understanding their needs, their, their you know, what is it that, where are they getting stuck? Where are they having problems? And how can we kind of address that with our book? Um, so I think that really helped. Also, we had the unfair advantage of brand, Just Eat with Ash. So that definitely helped as well. But um, yeah, it was great. And having a partnership was really good. 
Ash had a lot of the big ideas and a lot of the insights and wisdom for 20 years in it. I had the more ways of thinking like a beginner because I was like five, six years into my own business. So it was like we could still relate to the beginner and it was just really good how it worked together. Ash, you were going to dive in with something there, I think. Yeah, I mean, what I really like about working with Hassan was that I'm a, I'm a big ideas person. I'm a creative person. And one of the things I've uh, learned by understanding the unfair advantage concept is to know my strengths and my weaknesses. So I know my strengths. And so therefore, whenever I start a new company or a project, I'm always looking for the right team to work with me or a co-founder. Number one, I'm an emotional guy. So I don't want to cry on someone's shoulder or give a high five when we're succeeding. Because otherwise, I'm just doing it to the air, and this will feel good. Um, and I want someone to be part of it. <laughs> and, and the second thing is also, um, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are, and so I balance those up on based on my team. So Hassan's coming and actually balanced up my weaknesses to be able to simplify complex ideas and write them in a way that is palatable and understandable by a unique audience. And so that really helps. So big, large ideas and concepts, like I said, a curse of knowledge, but sitting down and working through with him on my stories and my ideas and insights and what I learned. And, they, and we did a lot of interviews as well. And the other thing that Hassan was so super good at was, although I said a lot of things about stats and anecdotal things, everything had to be backed up. So in the book, there's a lot of case studies. Hassan's gone into so much research into these case studies. And we've had a look at you know, various different startups from Canva, from Snapchat, and different um, uh, entrepreneurs from Oprah Winfrey, Richard Branson, and um, Evan Spiegel and gone into detail. And so we've actually kind of back-tested our thinking onto these kind of businesses. So that makes it so much more thorough than just a whim of the thought, anyone can do it type of self-help type of book. The book is made so that it's not prescriptive. So when anybody who reads it, they'll actually take out their own version of themselves from it and find their own, discover their own unfair advantage from it. It's, it, you make it sound so simple, but I know that like, it's one of those things, it's the Picasso moment, isn't it? Where he gets stopped in the cafe and asked to draw a picture and it's, he, he charges the, the woman 10,000 francs and she says, that's ridiculous. It just took you five minutes, but actually it's your combined experience that both of you have learned over, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be so insolent to take a guess, but over however many years that it's gone into kind of creating the framework um, and, and putting it into the unfair advantage. Absolutely. And this is why we also say that it's so important to value yourself and value your time. You know, there's a, we're in a very privileged position now where we get a lot of people asking for our time and uh, help on uh, different things. And so as a coach, as a mentor, as a freelancer, you need to value your time because time is the most important thing because you're selling your services and selling your insights, mm. not just the uh, doing the job. It's the 20 years of working behind the scenes of understanding how that works to be able to deliver it in the hour or the half an hour. And that's the value. And so it's, there's that kind of catch 22 with sometimes with clients who just like, well, anyone could do that. But then there's a lot of what we call imposters out there who claim to do it, but really can't do it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, isn't it? And it's, um, they do get found out very quickly, though, I found over yeah. the last, you know, since I set up the coaching practice four years ago. And you see how other people start to operate and then realize that they're just, um, you know, you've got, you've got your five parts of the miles framework and maybe they have one and they just kind of mess that up as well somehow. Yeah. So they, they, normally, they normally find themselves out fairly mm-hmm. quickly. In the expediency of time, Ash, I know you have got a deadline to, um, that we're working yeah, cool. to. So if you have to go, please do. I want to carry on this conversation. So. Five yeah um but i'm i'm curious as well like what um what would you say would be the the, the biggest um takeaway from the unfair advantage of the book what do you want readers to kind of take away from the book once they've read it um i would say i think that and ash maybe you jump in with your own if you have a different one to mind but i think one of the biggest things is self-awareness is a kind of understanding you know there's that 
very well-known quote, I think it's Socrates, it's in the book, know thyself. And just knowing, and, it, and, and it's a journey, knowing yourself is a journey. You can't just sit down and do a one-hour test or whatever it is to figure out what you're good at. It, it takes time. I never thought I'd be good at writing. English was my weakest subject, actually, at school. Um, I was much better at science and maths. Um, and I know Ash, English wasn't your strength either, right? So, and now we're business book of the month and Amazon bestseller, W.H. Smith, we're all over the airports and stuff. We're still in the business charts there. We just saw today people were sending us videos. And it's like, you don't know what you're good at until you try. So the, best, the thing that we say is kind of know thyself by trying lots of different things. That's how you can get lucky as well. People ask, how do you get more lucky? Just do more things. You get more lucky. You increase the surface area to luck. Yeah. I, I think Socrates hadn't finished his sentence. He should put. He should have put know thyself and trust thyself because trust I thyself. think so many people like have labels attached to them by other people. Yeah. And like I said, they start believing that. And I think that's why why the education system we've got this is something for a totally another day. But the education in our in our country is fundamentally flawed because it is all about. It's not lifelong learning. It's not. It's it's about the teachers are going to label you. You're going to pass or maybe not pass your GCSEs and A-levels, maybe go to university, get a job. And actually, I, one of my biggest regrets that I've got is stopping reading when I left university. I thought, oh, that's it yeah. for my learning now. Yeah. And, it, and my life didn't start to change again positively in the way that you talk about in the book until I started sitting down and getting stuck into books again and learning and understanding yeah. myself better, listening to myself yeah, no, absolutely. It's spot on. And I think um, that's where I got my um, uh, inspiration. I mean, I started reading um, when I used to see all my, and my parents, are, you know, like my, my dad worked at a local factory, my mom was a housewife. And when I used to look at my friends, they had professional parents. And I felt like they can go to them and ask them about applications and the world of work. I had to read books and find out autobiographies and read other people's books to find out what their life was like. And so that was how I got inspired about reading about other people's stories and also understanding the insights from them. And so you asked, what could we get from the book? You know, if you feel like you're underestimated, the underdog, or somebody who really wants to make a difference in the world, what we're trying to do with the book is to show you that be grateful for what you do have, not what you don't have, because society highlights that more. Social media, the media itself, people around you highlight what you don't have rather than what you do have. And I think that's ultimately the goal of this book, to show you how to have gratitude to what you do have and that actually you are unique and special and you can make a dent in the world, whatever you do, whether it's a business, project, however you get involved. So that's the whole premise of this book. And it's the book that I would wanted to read when I was 18, 19 years old to say that actually it doesn't matter if you, do, if you didn't go to university, you can still make a difference in the world and people in your life. It doesn't matter if you didn't get a degree, you can still make a difference. It doesn't matter if you didn't do X, Y, Z, you can still make a difference to people's lives because everyone's life is unique and different. And that's what we're trying to teach with this, that the journey that you're going to go on is going to be very different to the next person. So admire it and fall in love with the success that you're having by comparing yourself to yesterday and the year before rather than anybody else. I, I think there's such a, uh, there's such a positive message in that. And, uh, and it, and it doesn't have to be like the Coca-Cola or the just eat success or the big, like, you know, unicorn type business success can be small too, if sure. it's relevant to you. And I think Absolutely. that's the most important thing. Yeah. There was this subtitle, how you already have what it takes to succeed is a subtitle to our book. And we were kind of thinking about that. And I was thinking deeply, is that our message? We're trying, we're trying to say that actually, you know, a lot of the big success stories, the outliers, they've got like, they're like child prodigies and they're like incredibly well connected or whatever it might be. They have really, really strong unfair advantages. 
And actually, no, we realized, yeah, that is true. And you already have what it takes to succeed because everybody's definition of success is and should be different. And if it's not different, then you're probably taking it externally and you're just taking that social conditioned, you know, like we said so many times, social media version of success or Hollywood's version of success or whatever it might be, right? But everybody's goals are going to be different. We all have different wants and desires and motivations. There's a lot of survivorship bias out there. So you only hear about successes. You know, we work in the startup tech world. So every day we hear stories, Robin, about people raising 10 million pounds, 100 million pounds. And what we realized was that it's really important to stop looking at that type of press and focus on yourself and understand that those people would have probably have had many unfair advantages to succeed. And the book gives you a way to audit yourself to know what your unfair advantages are, but it also gives you a lens to look at other people's success. So it can empower you rather than disempower you and dishearten you. Well, Listen, um, we're probably going to have to wrap up now, I think. Uh, it's been absolutely fascinating hearing all of the story, uh, well, the story from both of you and the story of how you came about writing the book. Uh, the book is called The Unfair Advantage. Do you want to let everybody know how they can get hold of a copy of it? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can get, uh, the, and it's available from most bookshops as well. Waterstones all over the country, W.H. Smith, the larger travel stores also have it and it's in the book charts there. Um, and it's available on Kindle if you prefer Kindle it's available on Audible me and Ash's voices are on it but luckily for you there's also a really good voice actor who's doing the main bit um, he's like an BAFTA award winning actor he's amazing like, he's got an amazing <laughs> actor and he's got a really nice voice so you can get it there um, and the uh, best way to stay in touch with us is social media and LinkedIn in particular so I'm Hassan Kuba on LinkedIn or Startup Hassan Hassan with one S on like all social medias follow us there Ash, what's yours? So I'm Ash Ali on LinkedIn and Ash Ali UK on all the social medias. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is we'll um, we'll make sure that there are um, plenty of links in the show notes to all of your social media profiles and where people can get hold of a copy of the book. Um, we had a chat with your publishers as well, or I did, behind the scenes, and they've said they're happy to put some copies forward. Uh, as a bit of a, as a gift, as a prize, um, if people nice. watching this and listening to this want to get stuck in, so which is quite exciting. So if you want to get hold of a copy of The Unfair Advantage, what we'd encourage you to do is just share this episode of the podcast onto uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And then please do tag, not me, but if you can tag Hassan, Hassan and or Ash into that post, we'd hugely appreciate it and keep on spreading the word of The Unfair Advantage. And for the first handful of people who do that, we'll make sure that we get you a copy of the book as well which is quite exciting actually we don't normally have prizes and giveaways which is uh which is a good thing so um i got one very last question uh which i would like an answer from from both of you individually if that's possible we're going to um hop into the fearless business time machine and wind the clock back 10 years and i want you to give a piece of advice to yourself minus 10 years if that's possible what would be the one thing ash that you would tell yourself I would say um, trust myself and enjoy the journey more because when you're in the midst of entrepreneurship and doing something, it, everything's blowing up around you and everything feels like it's like the end of the world, but it's not. And so enjoy that journey and enjoy the process because once you get there, it's a different story altogether. So um, don't be too outcome driven, be more driven around the story and enjoy the process. Absolutely love it. And what about you, Hassan? So Ash has done the nice philosophical one. I'll give a practical one. And I really would wish I could have done this earlier is start to create content regularly sooner 
write articles. Because I, like I said, I never used to write before. Write articles, do videos. If I'd gone onto YouTube even sooner, and I'm going to start soon as well. We're doing a whole new series called Success Decoded. First episodes about Elon Musk and about his whole life story. And I'm going to break down what his unfair advantages were and also what we can learn from him. So like stuff like that, just creating content, which I've realized is an unfair advantage for me. I wish I would have done that 10 years ago and started then. Oh, I'm totally with you on that. Some people have a blind fear over just like putting an article out and it's like, no, just get on and do it. Like yeah. likely probably if you're just starting, nobody's going to read it anyway. So it's, it's really not an issue. So start, why, why you know, start now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, um, Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both onto the podcast. I know that our listeners will have got an awful lot out of your episode. We'll make sure that we get all of those links shared into the um, into the show notes. And uh, yeah, keep promoting the unfair advantage. Make sure you go and grab hold of a copy of that book. I know where my next Audible credit's going, that's for sure, just so I can listen to it in the car as well. So thank you, Hassan. Thank you, Ash. It's been a Thanks real pleasure. Again.